a spooky discussion and spooky dissection of horror. Time. Spooky old dookie time. Yeah. Hello, welcome to Guides the Unknown. I'm Kristen. And I'm her little brother, William. And we may be saying goodbye to Slashtober, but we're still gonna, we're gonna ease back into normal things by still talking about movies today, found footage movies. Yeah, and another subgenre of horror, mm-hmm. just like how a month ago we covered slasher history, where we pieced together where did slashers come from, how did they evolve over the course of time. I have a love of found footage movies, um, and I have been really eagerly looking forward to talking in the same way about found footage as a subgenre of horror. Yeah. Here's the thing. When we were covering slashers, it turns out that there's all this groundwork laid on the internet where people have pieced out what is the golden age of slashers, what are the proto-slashers, what is the neo-modern era. Like, they've really pieced it together like cultural anthropologists for the slasher world. Yes. That doesn't exist for found footage. There is not a lengthy backstory to where found footage came from Mm -hmm. it's relatively simple so i looked into some of that found footage uh history and you know picture that that poster of the evolution of man where it starts from like you know chimps to cro-magnon man so it's a vhs tape becoming a dvd becoming a laptop (laughs) you're not far off one (laughs) of the things that i really called out is like because i'm i'm really now trying to in the absence of having material to pull from other people's research into this matter, I've had to compile my own. Yeah, yeah. So I have sort of dissected found footage, and I've even come up with um, common tropes that you find among them. And one of them is the title card. Oh, yes. The moment where, you know, uh, you're sitting down in the theater, you've got your popcorn, the screen goes dark. They put up the the production company logos, and then usually you'd get your first image of the film. Mm -hmm. But instead, usually in found footage, you get text on the screen that is there to purely give you just enough context of how you are seeing what you are seeing. Right. Found footage implies literally the people who shot this material are not around anymore Mm -hmm. for any number of reasons, and somebody else be they a documentary filmmaker, somebody on camera or off camera has taken that material and edited it together into the film that you're now watching. So they usually have some sort of a title card or intro text. Blair Witch Project, obviously uh, probably the most famous found footage Mm -hmm. movie. Their title card was, in October of 1994, three student filmmakers disappeared into the woods near Burkittsville, Maryland, while shooting a documentary. A year later, their footage was found. Right. Possibly even this is where the term found footage is really coined. Mm -hmm. Found footage was a term before this. Um, Usually it referred to almost like stock photography. Not really so much stock photography, but rather like a movie using previously shot historical film. Okay. So like, uh, you know, bad example, but somebody was filming like a presidential inauguration and then some other production used that footage in their movie. Mm-hmm. That had been called found footage for a time. But this is really now coining the term for this subgenre. So that was Blair Witch Project, which came out in 1999. Purportedly about three student filmmakers from 1994. Fast forward. Blair Witch 2016, the third Blair Witch movie, the most recent Blair Witch movie. Mm-hmm. This is their opening uh, text. The following footage was assembled from memory cards and DV tapes found near Burkittsville, Maryland, in the Black Hills Forest on May 15th, 2014. So you're right. It is the poster of evolution. Yeah. From from film reels to DV tapes and microchips. Right. Literally going from film canisters to memory cards and DV tapes. Cool. Isn't that kind of yeah, interesting? Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah. It was a joke when yeah. you said it, but it's 100% it's true. true. Yeah. Um, so I wasn't joking. I was telling the truth because I knew that. Yes, because Kristen's also smart. I'm a scholar. We're scholars. We're pop culture anthropologists, Absolutely. horror writers, mm-hmm. horror lovers. That's right. Yeah. That's right. Interestingly, you have a tendency to write material that is like nonfiction. Yes. And I have a tendency to write fiction. Yeah. Real dream team. So we have, I think, both sides of the horror game pinned down. Yeah. And our love of researching the history of horror is so that you can either 
digest it and figure out what it meant for us in the real world. Yeah. And I can digest it and figure out how it makes me feel so mm-hmm. I can turn it into something else. Yeah. That, yeah. It's kind of interesting. Yeah, we, it's cool. We find this footage and then we we eat it. Yes. For different Use reasons. It in different ways. Um, Go to huntakiller.com slash blog to see how I eat it and digest it. Oh, definitely do. Yeah. Kristen's got articles. some awesome articles out there right now. We just killed our uh, spinoff show, Ghost Adventures Adventures, mm-hmm. but you can get a really great Zach Bagans fix. Kristen wrote an article about how Zach Bagans is a ghost bro with a heart of gold. Yeah. It's a real sweetie. And also an article about people who believed that the Blair Witch Project was real and kind of how that happened. Yeah, exactly. So yeah. huntakiller.com slash blog. Go there. Yes. Also huntakiller.com slash Blair Witch. Yeah. Actually, this is the perfect microcosm of what we're talking about. Yes. Kristen and I are each writing yes, Blair right. Witch material. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Kristen is writing nonfiction blogs for the Huntakiller site. Mm-hmm. And I'm one of the the people that's writing the new fiction box game. Yeah. Uh, go get your own. Huntakiller.com slash Blair Witch. Pretty cool. Yeah, pretty wild. So anyway, here's sort of how I've broken my research out. I'm going to talk to you about notable early found footage mm-hmm. movies, but I'm going to do it in a somewhat unconventional way. These You're movies, not a conventional guy. I'm not a conventional guy. Right. These are not conventional movies. So we're going to look at them through different lenses. I have taken a gander at the landscape of found footage Essentially bringing us up to the Blair Witch Project. Mm -hmm. That's where I stop. Yeah. But looking at that material, I have put together um, further classification of found footage movies. I personally do not think that it's enough to say that a movie is found footage. Okay. To me. I see. That begs more questioning. Mm -hmm. The first first classification of found footage that I have here is the mockumentary. Yeah. Yeah. I think that we're all probably familiar with comedy mockumentaries. It's literally a, a portmanteau mm-hmm. of the term mock to make fun of and documentary, which we all know as nonfiction um, productions that are usually telling something about a person's life or an event or whatever. Yeah. So um, here are some mockumentaries in the found footage game, which are are pretty early films. The actually, okay, brace yourself. Okay. I have something weird. I have always, I think like many people out there, heard that um, while, yes, the Blair Witch Project is probably the found footage movie, Mm -hmm. everybody for 20 plus years always says, but also Cannibal Holocaust, right? Cannibal Holocaust was really the first. You're wrong. What have you found? There was an earlier movie called The Connection. Oh. Which was uh, a 1962 or 1961, depending on where you look, movie. So this is very much like people saying that Psycho was the first slasher, and then you talking about who was actually Peeping Tom. Yeah, yeah. Slashtober. Mm-hmm. Ripping the lid off of these misconceptions. Yeah, you're right. I've got, Ooh. I've got, this is an, an expose. A provocateur. An explosive expose. <laughs> so uh, The Connection is purportedly a, a, a found footage sort of story. It is a documentary that focuses on jazz musicians living in an apartment in the 1960s, who are all in the throes of heroin addiction. And so um, the way that this movie opens, actually, to even play off, again, that trope of how a lot of found footage movies have that opening title text mm-hmm. or, or, or a crawl to explain the film, here is the title card from what Wikipedia at least says is the first genuine fiction documentary. Yeah. fiction, You know, found footage, whatever you want to call it back then. This is the the title crawl for The Connection. Jim Dunn, the documentary filmmaker, titled this film The Connection and turned over all the footage to me before he left. I worked with him as a cameraman, and we shot the whole thing in a drug addict's apartment early one evening last fall. The responsibility of putting together this material is fully mine. I did it as honestly as I could. Signed, J.J. Burden. Cool. Which, the name J.J. Burden... Obviously, the burden was on him to do it. Yeah. Um, and so the the movie, I'm going to spoil everything again, by the way. You should just get used to Guide to the Unknown spoiling mm-hmm. movies that we bring up. I like to be able to not Talk have to hold back. Yeah. yeah. So the movie is set up that the with the idea that the director shot this film with the cameraman, and then the director disappeared. 
Okay. He's gone, and we don't know where he went to. Most of the movie is a very sort of traditional documentary exploring the lives of these jazz musicians and drug addicts in this apartment. By the end of the movie, we get our reveal of where the director went. He became one of them. That's what I was thinking. Mm -hmm. He became one of the drug addicts, Mm -hmm. passed off the footage to the cameraman, and then got in line waiting for his fix. Mm -hmm. And he was gone. That is, uh, according to sources online, the earliest found footage movie. But the footage isn't so much found as fiction material presented in a factual style of filmmaking. Exactly. Um, this, uh, is what I call the, the, the mockumentary style of found footage where we are really just using a nonfiction style of filmmaking to tell a fictional story. Mm-hmm. This is what I also then used to make my first, uh, show with Hunter Killer mm-hmm. Blackwood, where kids have recorded all of their material already. And then a documentarian, um, is setting up, I was given this audio and I am putting it together. Right. So it's not found, it's not raw and unedited. We do have some element of structure. Yeah. Because there is somebody who's in charge of the footage and is taking ownership over the editing process. There is now what I call the hybrid, the hybrid uh, s- classification mm-hmm. of found footage. This is where I put the next movie, that uh, people cite as the first found footage, Cannibal Holocaust, which I have avoided watching Yeah, my entire life. Yes. Um, I have seen bits and pieces of this, um, but I have finally, officially watched it for this episode. How'd it go? I hated it. Okay. Uh, have you ever seen it? No. Do you know anything about it? Not really. All right. Cannibal Holocaust is a really interesting movie. It is, again, cited as the actual first found footage movie, even though obviously that's not the case, as I just pointed out. Mm -hmm. Um, But here's what's interesting about it. Found footage is a plot element. Hmm. It is not what the movie is, Hmm. which is why I do not consider it to be the first found footage movie, even outside of the It just kind of uses found footage, it sounds like. It uses found footage. It doesn't count. Yeah. There's plenty of material in the movie that is traditionally shot, you know, whatever you want to call it, third person, traditional film eye. Yeah. Where nobody is purported to be holding the camera. We're just seeing the events of the film. Mm -hmm. Um, The movie itself is, is kind of interesting. Spoiler alert, I do not recommend anyone go watch it. Um, It is incredibly violent. Mm -hmm. It is incredibly brutal and horrific. Yeah. Um, There is actually a warning on uh, the site where I watched it, a a polite note of warning. I thought this was kind of funny. This sort of takes the place of um, what would otherwise be a text crawl in a film. Yeah. Um, The titles deemed extreme come shrouded in ultra graphic content controversy and in certain cases legal dispute they can be as intense and vivid as they are culturally and cinematically significant shutter spoiler alert i watched on shutter Mm -hmm. is proud to present these transgressive boundary pushing sometimes banned and totally rad films in their most complete form for the squeamish discretion is advised we'll see you on the other side okay it is an apt warning yeah. Um, this movie, I'm about to describe to you in a way that makes it sound like it's worth watching for the, the point it's making, okay. but I'm spoiling it but so that not. no one will watch it. Yeah. The setup. Four documentarians are going into the jungle to research cannibal tribes. They went missing. They have not come back. Very similar to other things that we're, we've seen yeah. in, in found footage. We follow, for the first half of the movie, a professor who's trying to find out what happened to them. He is encountering these, uh, these you know, um, uh, uh, quote-unquote primitive tribes mm-hmm. um, to try to figure out what happened to these four kids and bit by bit realizing, yeah, they're probably dead. Yeah. All of the footage these documentarians shot are very interestingly, like the canisters of film are wrapped in twine and hung from trees by the people who live out there, which is really interesting. Anyway, the professor manages to get the footage and brings it back to New York, where the story of these kids going missing is taking the world by storm. And now that they have the footage that the documentarian shot, there's a lot of debate. Do we show it? Mm -hmm. Do we screen what these kids had filmed before whatever happened? happened the second half of the movie is 
largely found footage okay. material where we are seeing the footage shot by these documentarians. But the twist is that we see they were far more barbaric than the uh, than the tribes that they were trying to show oh. as barbaric. Oh. The documentarians themselves murder people within the tribe. Oh. They stage events that would have been used in the documentary they were making, a documentary uh, within the movie that was called Green Inferno. Mm -hmm. Cannibal Holocaust was almost called Green Inferno, which mm -hmm. is very similar to Blair Witch Project being yep. about three kids that are shooting the Blair mm -hmm. Witch Project. Mm -hmm. But um, so the point of the movie is documentarians, people that create quote unquote nonfiction uh, documentaries and entertainment are not immune from the events shown in their documentaries. Yeah. Sometimes you should question their involvement in the events that they are supposedly observers of. Mm -hmm. um, the the director had evidently um, uh, had a history of watching um, uh, documentaries on TV where he felt that events were being staged, okay. and so decided to make a movie about it. So that's an interesting. Yeah. That's an interesting problem to bring up in a film. Mm -hmm. Documentarians are not passive observers. Right. Here's the problem. The filmmaking of this movie, Cannibal Holocaust, involves the on-screen killing of six animals. Mm. Oh, God, that's right. I remember hearing about that. A seventh uh, was also killed, but the footage just didn't make the cut. Mm -hmm. They had to do two takes where they killed a particular animal. I'm not going to tell you anything more about that, know. except to say that it is... Um, graphic. Mm. It is on screen for extended periods of time. Thankfully, I knew about this before putting the movie on. Mm -hmm. And any time I saw an animal, I jumped ahead. Yeah, I refuse to watch any of that. I uh, I love film. I have a respect for film. I like some of the message that they were trying to. Um, I don't know. Uh, share mm -hmm. within the movie, but man, do I disagree with the methodology of making this movie mm -hmm. brutal in the extreme. I do not recommend anyone watch it, but it is part of the legacy here. Yeah. And I think it's also notable that they were trying to depict, um, the odd line between filmmaking and reality mm -hmm. and the way they mo made the movie crossed that line. Right. Which I find is interesting. Kind of interesting. Um, jumping ahead to sort of the, the last things that I really have to say about this hybrid, format where it's third person traditional filmmaking but sometimes found footage did you know Kristen? one year before the blair witch project there was a movie called the last broadcast i did not Are you know familiar that. with us no uh it concerns the story of jim seward who it's said in 1995 went into the new jersey pine barrens oh. to look for the jersey devil ah. and supposedly killed his uh, companions. The movie opens with a, uh, a, a, a talking headshot of the quote-unquote real documentarian David Lee. Um, the movie is plainly edited to be very, very scary. Mm -hmm. um, it is purportedly showing the material that was shot for a show called Fact or Fiction of these this crew going into the Pine Barrens. Yeah. Um, and it is shot in a very similar manner to like TV documentaries, like a Ghost Bros type thing. Mm -hmm. Like there's like, you know, flashing lights yeah. and, and sharp sounds and lots of bait. Like the stings and stings. Stuff. Yeah. yeah. It's like very overly edited, but it is using footage that was shot by people who went to the woods who disappeared. Mm -hmm. Funnily enough, their explanation for how the footage was found is that factor fiction was being simulcast it was like a cyber cast and a cable cast at the same time. So the footage wasn't really found. Yeah. It was broadcast live and then reused. This is quite jazzy for 1998. Ooh, way too jazzy. Yeah. Um, the end of the movie, we leave our found footage perspectives. And now we're even seeing our documentarian who we're set up the these events. Of a, of a, the internet. We've left Whoa. it. We're seeing how it got simulcast. I'm through the net. <laughs> I got lost in a series of tubes. Um, but now we are seeing the documentarian who is, you can see him holding his camera yeah. because the film camera is actually over to the side. So we've left found footage view and we're in traditional filmmaking okay. perspective, which is to, to, to odd effect. Yeah. Um, Blair Witch Project, I think, is the only of these that I've discussed at least 
pure yeah. found footage. The movie opens. You're explained that this footage was lost. It's been found. You are not even explained who edited this together. No. You are just seeing what you see. What you see is what you get, and that's it. Mm-hmm. No further context. To me, that makes it the most pure found footage possible. Yeah. Interestingly, Eduardo Sanchez and Dan Myrick, the directors of The Blair Witch Project, also shot additional material, which would have featured interviews with the, the family and friends of Heather, Mike, and Josh, who are the central characters of the film. Mm-hmm. That is something that did happen in the last broadcast, where they interview family and friends of the people who are centrally involved in the story. It makes I, sense. It makes perfect sense. I think very intelligently... Dan Myrick and Eduardo Sanchez cut it from the final movie mm-hmm. and used it for a special on sci-fi called Curse of the Blair Witch. It's its own flavor yeah. to interview people. It's a different flavor to just show yes. what Heather, Mike, and Josh had filmed in the woods. Because it also implies that interviewing people think that somebody else is involved. So it yes. kind of takes it out of that just straight up found footage thing. Mm-hmm. And it's really cool. But I feel like the Blair Witch is cooler for just being, this is the footage we found. And that's it. Yes, that's it. This is what you're presented with. And you got to live with that. Yeah. And I, I think that that is what makes the Blair Witch Project, to me, of everything that I looked at in the the the, the early part of found footage history, the only true, pure mm-hmm. found footage movie. Yeah. Um, very briefly, I want to call out some of the other tropes that I've um, noticed in found footage. Cool. So I already called out the title card. Usually opens with some sort of text or a person explaining where this came from. Um, I've noticed that frequently the cast play characters who share all or part of their real name. In the last broadcast, David Beard played David Lee. James Seward played James Seward. Just spelled slightly different. That's weird. Blair Witch, Heather, Josh, and Mike play Heather, Josh, and Mike, and the list goes on and on and on. It is a tendency for the actors to adopt their real names in the movie. One that's even carried into Blair Witch 2016. Mm -hmm. Um, Interesting. uh, And the third trope that I have picked up on is really an odd one. I think, I don't know what, I don't know, this is a chicken or the egg sort of scenario, but what I wrote down here is the raw filming style obviously makes viewers struggle to decide what in the movie is real mm-hmm. or not real, which is the, the part of the appeal of found footage. You yeah. can't really decide where the line of reality is. But it also seems to me that this filming technique also lends itself well to controversial subject matter. Mm-hmm. The movie The Connection, 1962, about the jazz musicians and, and uh, the heroin-addicted uh, right. people. Because of language and subject matter, the film was decided to be too vulgar to grant it a license to screen in New York. Cannibal Holocaust, the director, uh, Ruggiero Diodato, was accused of murder. A lot of people believed that the deaths in the film were real. And as a matter of fact, they brought the performers to the trial to prove that that they were really alive. And even in the Blair Witch Project, many people believe that Heather, Josh, and Mike were actually dead. Mm -hmm. IMDb was brand new at the time, and they listed them as missing. They posted missing posters all over the place. It was somewhat controversial. I think that blurring the line of reality... I almost wonder if that also does something to the creative mind of, well, then how far am I allowed to push things if I'm showing reality? Right. And also maybe being able to show things that are kind of gnarly because it doesn't have the same gloss on it. So it might feel a little bit less exploitative of those things, even though it's not really the case. It's still a movie. Mm -hmm. But like the pretense of this is just the way things are. We just came across it. I wonder if that like frees things up a little bit. Yeah, I don't know. Something that I didn't remember, um, although like it's logical or whatever, but I found out writing this article for Hunt to Kill or and doing research, I forgot that people thought Blair Witch was like a snuff film. Oh, yeah. And they were upset about it. Like, mm-hmm. I remembered, and obviously it's a whole thing that, like, oh, people think it was real. These kids were missing. I forgot that people thought we're watching these kids, like, go to their doom. And some people thought it was really distasteful, and some people thought it was a little distasteful, but also it was maybe for a purpose because sure. it was almost like Unsolved Mysteries or America's Most Wanted, where it's like, all right, I'll watch this. And it's also entertaining, so it's like right. you're, like, twisting everybody's arm. But they were thinking, like, well, they're putting this out because what if you're the person who has some information yeah. that might be able to help them? I 
hadn't thought about that aspect of it in a really long time. Where people were like, I'm watching somebody who is missing and probably dead by the end of the movie. That honestly, I mean, I think that that's one of the things that makes Cannibal Holocaust so interesting because that's exactly the kind of thing that they are trying to talk about in that mm-hmm. movie, I think. And it taps into that sticky area for me about the entertainment value in true crime Mm -hmm. where true crime is true yeah and it's largely about people who have been murdered and it's largely entertainment for people Mm -hmm. i like the podcast my favorite murder Mm -hmm. i do i think that georgia and karen are really interesting um interested um i think that they're on the the right side of we're going to talk about this but not laugh at it um but i think that there are still a lot of people that look at true crime as pure entertainment when really it's exposing something that's like sick about humanity or, or people's most miserable moments and yeah. tragic events. And yet we're all having a good time with it. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that it's tricky. I think that found yeah. footage at its best can exploit some of that. Uh, but like in a safe let environment, you, yeah, let right? you feel more okay about it yeah. because it isn't true. Yes. But it still gives you that kind of feeling. It's why I love horror yeah. because horror is uh, giving you an outlet for things that terrify you about real life, mm-hmm. but in a playground environment where yeah. they can't really hurt you. Yeah, it's a safe way to interact with your anxieties about real life stuff. Yeah, absolutely. So, um, yeah, just to cap it, there's not a lot about the um, the the history of found footage in terms of like studying it all. Mm-hmm. But that's my at least my Will Rogers outlook on what this subgenre of horror was yeah. and further classification of it leading up to the Blair Witch Project, which at this point, to me, mm-hmm. is like the ultimate one. Yeah. But let's see where it goes beyond, Kristen. Let's find out. Before we do that, we want to tell you about something that listener Rachel is cooking up. <laughs> Good pun. Thank you. American Indian reservations have been hit hard during the COVID-19 pandemic due to lack of support and resources. So for the month of November, a.k.a. Native American Heritage Month, Artist Rachel Foss is giving all the profits from her illustrated Native American cookbook to the COVID-19 Emergency Response Fund via FirstNations.org. Yeah. The cookbook includes traditional recipes with meat, vegan, and gluten-free alternatives, and each book is handmade for each order. Search for Rachel Foss Design on Etsy or Facebook or at at RF Design Shop on Instagram for inf- for information. Yeah. Uh, and if you're not interested in a cookbook, but you still might want to donate, please research United States First Nations funding or reach out to your local American Indian Center to see other ways you can show support. And Rachel, thank you so much for getting in touch with us about this. We're so happy to spread the word. And mm-hmm. I hope you guys look into the cookbook or maybe other ways to donate. Yeah, it's obviously a, a way to do something good. Yeah. For sure. Yeah. Uh, we also just want to tell you a little bit about ourselves real quick. You can find everything we do at gttupod.com. We have this podcast. We also have a Patreon page at patreon.com slash gttupod, where you can get a bonus episode every month just for patrons who sign up at the $4 or more level for monthly support for us. When you sign up at that level, you also get access to our private Discord, which is very cool. That's basically like a modern day chat room. And it's popping off in there. There are all these different like categories that are called servers. So different things like chats about pets, chats about movies and TV shows, podcasts, just a general chat, a picture thread. It's really, really awesome. And also over on Patreon on the first Sunday of every month, Will and I do a live stream with our patrons where we plan out the next month of shows. So we just did that this past week. It was really, really awesome. And the people who support us over on Patreon know everything that's coming up for the month of November and beyond, frankly, and helped contribute to it and give us really great ideas and let us know what they want to see. So we put that into the slate of shows. So you can find all that at patreon.com slash gttupod. And thank you so, so much to everybody who donates over there and is part of that little community because it's really awesome. Yeah. Thank you all so much. Mm-hmm. Really glad that you just enjoy this show. Yes. Yeah. Absolutely. It's a really good time. So, Will. Yes. We got up to Blair Witch Project. We did. We've spoken about the Blair Witch Project on the show before at length. It was your subject for an episode one time. We've talked about it a whole lot. So we're not really going to dwell on the Blair Witch Project during this episode because we've done it before and we're obsessed with it. But we're going to talk about kind of 
after the Blair Witch Project, what found footage movies really hit. A few years later, I was surprised at how short a time there was between Blair Witch Project and Paranormal Activity, which was the next big found footage thing. Do you know, if you had to guess, when do you think Paranormal Activity came out? 2005. Okay. Well, you did a better job than I did. (laughs) It came out in 2009. I thought it would have been like... 2012 or something like that. I was surprised that there are only 10 years between them. It still is an oddly long time, though. Yeah. Like, Blair Witch Project was so um, culturally significant and popular, you'd really think that more people would have pounced on that that style of filmmaking. It is weird, but I thought that that style had laid dormant for longer than that. Mm. So actually, Paranormal Activity officially came out eight years later in 2007 at festivals and stuff, but then it didn't get wide release until two years after that. So Eduardo Sanchez, the director, one of the directors of the Blair Witch Project, said that he, he commented to the New York Daily News kind of about the boom of found footage movies after Blair Witch. And he said, this is a quote, Um, he wishes that he had used the film's success to dive into the film business instead of semi-retiring, but he considers the film's impact to be a bittersweet honor. Now I know a little bit of how George Romero felt when all these zombie movies started coming out and he had no financial ties to them. Like Paranormal Activity, I think that's a really great example of taking the Blair Witch formula and making something really cool and unique with it. Mm. Which is true, but yeah, it must be really weird to kind of see, even though he didn't officially invent it, kind of see it taking off and have nothing to do with it. It's like a baby of yours in a way. Still, I think he did invent it. He, he, he basically, I mean, he basically did. He yeah. did. That's, that's why, that's part of the reason why, like, even in my classification of them, I view Blair Witch Project as the only real pure found uh-huh. footage. Because even though there were things before that were fiction material presented in a documentary style, none of them did it like Blair Witch. Yeah. Blair Witch is the first. Blair yeah. Witch is the first true found footage movie. Of that style, for sure. So like I said, Paranormal Activity came out 10 years later, and the director, Oren Pelly, acknowledges the similarities between that movie uh, no, he, he acknowledges the similarities between the two movies and his inspiration from Blair Witch Project, saying from that same article, which will be linked in the show notes, after Jaws came out, people were saying, oh, I'm never going to go swim in the ocean anymore. After Blair Witch came out, people said, I'm never going to go camping in the woods anymore. But what happened in Paranormal Activity is in your own house, your own bedroom, where you're supposed to be safe. People can't say, I'm never going to go to sleep in my bedroom anymore. Mm. So, um, yeah, it is kind of taking the idea of the Blair Witch Project and sort of just like subverting it a little bit. Yeah, that's interesting. Do you like Paranormal Activity, the movie? I'll tell you what. I, I wanted to watch the original for this show mm-hmm. just to just to get a, a flavor of it, and I ended up not having time. What I did watch was the last Paranormal Activity movie. I watched Paranormal Activity, The Ghost Dimension. Okay, how was that? Hmm. Yeah, I, they have very mixed reviews. It seems like they're very up and down, where like every other movie people say are pretty good. I'm not okay. sure where that hits within. I'll, I'll tell that. you this. I like found footage, and I liked it fine. Mm-hmm. I also felt like I now, this is the first time that I've seen a Paranormal Activity movie while I do like sound design and scripting. Yeah. And watching it, I, I liked it, but I also just like noticed when you're trying to make something real, so things that don't re- are are not real mm-hmm. brutally jump out to me. So like eighty yard lines where they were recorded later. Oh man, I'm so conscious hmm. of ADR. I can't help it. I pick it out and then I can't not hear it or see it. Yeah, I think it's it's, or it's like dubs and stuff. It's obviously a necessary part of the process, totally, but totally. like. I even just for the Blair Witch Hunter Killer game, like I did a lot of um, like really trying really hard to make people's voices sound different depending on their environment. Mm-hmm. Are you outside? Are you inside? Are you in a car? Are you near a window? Is the window open or closed? Like all of those things come to mind when I'm editing. Yeah. And I was watching the movie and it would just be like, this is supposed to be real. And that doesn't feel real. Mm-hmm. Um, but the movie itself, like I enjoy, that's really more just like nitpicky. Yeah. But like I, I liked it fine. Yeah. I liked it fine. That's how I feel. I've only seen the first Paranormal Activity movie, and I like it. I don't Mm -hmm. love it. I don't hate it. I know a lot of people get pissed at it because it was said to be so scary. Right. And they saw it, they're like, this isn't a big deal. But, like, it's, it's like, fine. It's okay. You know what's funny? This, this, I'm sorry, this just came to mind, like, another, like, big difference. The Blair Witch Project does an outstanding job 
of suggesting to you that there is a world beyond that movie. Mm -hmm. Something happened before the movie starts because you get that little context. There were kids that went out there. They went missing. Once it's over, you get the feeling that there's still more to figure out. Well, somebody discovered this. What yeah, happened? Right. What, what really happened? That? It makes you yep. just think and wonder. Mm -hmm. And all of the material surrounding it, and granted, there was obviously a lesser percentage of people that watched Curse of the Blair Witch on Sci-Fi or picked up the Blair Witch dossier. But if you engage in those things, it becomes abundantly clear that found footage is also an outstanding um, genre of film to engage in large world I building. I Big time world building. Huge world building. Because it asks all these questions mm -hmm. if you go there and you can answer those then. Yes. The yeah. website, the Blair Witch mm -hmm. website has a timeline on it. The original Blair Witch website where they, they explain that Ellie Kedward was accused of witchcraft in the 1700s. Um, they did all of this groundwork so that you can be rewarded for your yeah. theorizing. Paranormal Activity never had that for me. It Well, it doesn't really have that in general. It has kind of a real life sort of, it's like more of a lore to the movie. To call it a lore is also too big. But like there is some stuff. So um, people were talking about how terrifying it was and the marketing team used night vision footage of audiences watching it mm -hmm. to sell the movie. Do you remember that? Uh, and then a lot of movies have done that since. But like, yeah, it was a whole thing about how scary this movie is and we're going to show you people's reactions. Which is brilliant. It's brilliant. It's mm -hmm. such a good idea. And they also had this scarcity thing that ended up working uh, in its favor for them that combined with word of mouth. So first, Paranormal Activity only opened on 13 screens. Okay. People talked about how scary it was and how messed it up it was. It opened on some more. And then people in other parts of the country where the movie wasn't out said they wanted to see it. There, there was a demand, just word of mouth on the internet for there to be more screens. So Paramount, I think this is so weird, but like cool. Um, Paramount heard the social media buzz, the production company, and decided to increase it and get things going by putting up a petition online and said if a million people sign this thing, it was from it wasn't from like change.org. It was something that I think is defunct now. Eventful. It was eventful.com. Okay. Um they said if a million people sign this and say they want to see the movie, then we'll do a ride release. Okay. Which is so weird. I would have thought when I heard that there was like an eventful page for this, that this was like the in independent filmmakers doing it and trying to get buzz going. It was Paramount who could totally release it wide if they wanted to. So it was like a weird marketing strategy. It was a marketing strategy, it's, but probably also a way to gauge whether or not that was a safe definitely, investment. You know? Definitely. Yeah. But like, it seems to me, I'm not in that kind of biz, but it seems to me that if there was such a word of mouth buzz and they're opening further and further, you can probably do a wide release for this again i don't know how it works but they had a really low budget yeah and they release things wide all the time that are just like what is this movie you know yeah. what i mean so i think it was just kind of like drumming up excitement for it in a really cool and weird way yeah it's just so unnecessary it's so weird that paramount to me that's the right. thing that sticks in my mind yeah is that the movie production house put up this thing yes very the, strange they were doing guerrilla marketing yeah like you don't have to do that <laughs> right, you yeah. have a bajillion dollars you could just put it you're out you're trying to convince yourself yeah, yeah or just have like a fun thing going yeah. which i'm all about but i was very surprised by it um so just in case you don't know what paranormal activity is about the broad strokes of the first movie is that it's about a couple that moves into a new house and they are terrorized by a demon that the wife feels like has been following her for her whole life, but it's like really acting up right now. So where found footage comes into play, like where they have the pretense of why this is being filmed is that the husband sets up like a still night vision camera in their bedroom to capture stuff. They do capture a little bit of stuff. And then so now the husband is filming all of their you know, work around trying to figure out what's happening. So he's filming his wife doing like a Skype call with a parapsychologist, um, them like having a Ouija board. And so something that I think is very cool about paranormal activity is that it's a combination of found footage and still camera footage. Yeah. So there are parts of the movie that are, like I said, he just sets up like a still camera in their bedroom. There's another part of the movie where spoiler alert, they set up a still camera. They go out for a while. There's a Ouija board that the husband has brought into the house and the wife is super pissed because she's like, I've been carrying around this thing forever. Like, I don't think we should provoke it this way. And they leave it on their 
uh, like living room table, they go out. You're just watching still camera footage of the Ouija board with nothing happening for a long time, and then spontaneously lights on fire. Yeah, um, it's sweet. I think it's a good movie. I think I think it's a good. I think it's a fun yeah. uh, new wrinkle on found footage. Mm-hmm. Like obviously Blair Witch had characters that were holding the cameras, right, and running around. So you got a he lot of shaky too. cam and POV. I mean, this does too. But oh, it, it does. Yeah, but it also has still. It also has like security camera yeah. angle type things. Yeah, I think it's cool. Yeah, I feel like this falls into found footage. Yeah, it certainly seems yeah. to, for me, I, yeah. I mean, I, the thing that I don't know, is there any hint of how we get it? I don't think so. So I didn't rewatch it for this. I just watched it like last year, though. So yeah. I remember it pretty well. I think it just starts. I don't think that there's a title card thing or anything. See, I do think that that context is is relatively necessary. But there's nothing to suggest anything but this just being found footage. Right. So for me, it it is in there. Okay. It, I will say this. Mm-hmm. By the time you get to Paranormal Activity, the ghost dimension. Well, I know that they're very different like throughout the movies. Yes. Um, it's just you're just seeing anything that's on a screen, kind of. Yeah, right. You know? Um, and um, I don't know. I, I, do, I do like to imagine the world in which somebody is like, oh, my God, the house burned down or whatever. Mm-hmm. Okay, we've got these cameras and let's see what they were doing. Oh my God. What was happening here was horrific. Oh yeah. Let's show people. Yeah. Like totally. I think that that makes sense Yeah, uh, to me to have some story. Mm-hmm. It can go too far. Yeah, sure. But I like to have some, some kind of context. Yeah, yeah. I do too. Um, so this movie was a humongous hit, mm-hmm. excluding other factors that kind of come into play just based on the return on investment. So how much they put into it versus how much they made. It is the most profitable film ever made. Hmm which is crazy. Um, there have been five more sequels, as Will mentioned, and there is a seventh and eighth movie planned to come out. The seventh was supposed to come out in 2021, but it's gotten bumps to 2022 because of COVID-19. Mm. Uh, the first three movies follow the same family, kind of just all together. Um, and the second one is kind of like a prequel slash sequel situation. And the following three movies still involve that family. So there is sort of a line through, but they also integrate other families. Okay. Okay. Um, experiencing stuff. It's like them experiencing stuff and they come across stuff from the first family and they're like, oh, that's why this is this way. Oh, okay. They were performing a seance here or whatever. Um, those movies, the sequels have had varying success and reviews, but they did spawn, I would say, a new wave of found footage yes. after Paranormal Activity. Or did they, you idiot? We're both wrong. That's what I thought. <laughs> but it, it seems like... If I still edited these shows, I'd cut out where I said yes. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to have... I'm going to multiply you saying yes. Yeah. Yes. Yes, I know that. Yes, I'm right. Yes. <laughs> um, no. It seems like multiple people were having the same idea to do some found footage stuff, like, all at the same time. These movies were, like, all in production around the same time really? when they started coming out. The which Wizards. Which is so weird to me. The Wizards were whispering the zeitgeist. all over the place. I, I was I, very surprised I by I believe this. in the zeitgeist. Believe in a zeitgeist. At the end of Love the month, I'm going to tell you about something that happened to me. I had another event. I had another event where I picked up on uh, an energy. I hate it when you tease me like that. It happened. Ugh. Will you tell me after the show and surprise the audience instead? Sure. Okay, great. Um, All right. So something that people are a movie that people also bring up a lot um, in the new boom of found footage movies is something that I've never seen before, but I've heard that it's good. It's I don't know how you pronounce it like. It's R-E-C, like record? Rec. Rec, okay. So Rec is a 2007 Spanish film about a reporter and cameraman who are following a bunch of firefighters and just seeing kind of like how their job and how their day goes. And one of the calls that the firefighters respond to turns out to be somebody who's in the midst of changing into a zombie. Ah! In this building, there is a zombie outbreak. It is infected. Why this is a found footage thing, the pretense for why we're seeing this? news mm. they're recording news broadcast. the news Makes exactly sense. um that first one wreck is supposed to be very good it has three sequels not sure about how great those are it was remade in the u.s under the name quarantine in 2008 so like right after the spanish one came out with jennifer carpenter from dexter and it seems like it was only okay yeah um i can picture like i saw the poster for it and i was like oh yeah i remember seeing that there's the trailer where at the end she gets dragged away yes, into the exactly. dark <laughs> yeah totally mm-hmm. but so 
So Wreck came out in 2007. Yeah. And um, Paranormal Activity officially came out in 2008. I thought for even sure it Paranormal wasn't Activity wide. was earlier. Paranormal That's so Activity weird. actually technically came out wide release three years later. Yeah. Wreck was 2007. Its wide release was 2010 Paranormal Activity. So I'd assumed that people saw this success of Paranormal Activity and said, I got to get me one of these yeah. and started making these things, but it's not true at all. It's almost like, see, I still think of Blair Witch Project as the origin point for all of this anyway. Mm-hmm. But, I do too. But it's odd for it to take even six years to get to wreck. Mm-hmm. So is it, you know, Blair Witch Project was well, hugely popular yeah. and then very, very, very satirized mm-hmm. and parodied and, and mocked. And I almost wonder if that made people... Maybe we needed that parody to die down first. I think that might be what it is. Let people finish devouring Blair Witch Project before we do this again. So we can take it seriously again, not just be like, oh, they're doing that thing from Scary Movie. Exactly. I think that actually makes a lot of sense. There was like a life cycle that it had to go through first, found footage as a phenomenon, because it was so huge in order for us to be like ready to have it again. Totally. Um, Another big one that I remember from this time is the movie I again I have not seen this I know a lot about it and I don't want to see it is a movie called The Poughkeepsie Tapes this mm. is a very infamous movie and this is from 2007 so I remember back kind of when it came out hearing about it and I had the understanding that it was like a band movie or something like that that it was like hard to find and also hard to watch because it yeah. was gnarly and band isn't quite right but it's not totally inaccurate either because it actually was picked up and then dropped by MGM. So banned in the sense they decided not to go forward with it. Um, It's supposed to, the plot of it is that it's supposed to be a documentary using tapes that a serial killer made of his victims from the point of stalking them all throughout their killing and everything and even after the killing. Oh, interesting. Um, it sounds really gnarly and brutal, but it has a big cult following and it wouldn't fall into just a clean found footage category from what I understand. You're also like, it's kind of a, a mockumentary or whatever because the police have found these tapes and they're going through them and you also hear from the police who are investigating this person. That's interesting. Mm-hmm. That's odd. Yeah. There's a uh, there's a very famous movie called Man Bites Dog. Yes. Which is about a documentary. Uh, documentary. Documentary. I was going to say do- the word documentarian uh-huh. and then midway through I decided to pivot. Cool. It's about a documentary that is following a serial killer. Um, and it sounds to me like the Poughkeepsie tapes are sort of that idea of man by its dog, but no documentary crew, Mm -hmm. just the serial killer filming it all themselves. Yeah. 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 Yeah, It's, it's kind of similar. Um, now another biggie that came out the next year and again, before paranormal, paranormal activity is Cloverfield before paranormal activity. Yes. It came out in 2008. And Cloverfield, excuse me, and then Paranormal Activity went wide in 2009. That's so weird. I know. So Paranormal Activity was made and at festivals in 2007, I think it was. Cloverfield came out in 2008. That was a big movie, so they had to have been working on it. Yeah. Like maybe at the same time as Paranormal Activity. So it really was in the air. Yes. This can also be one of those things where uh, it it is noted that... um, you know, production teams or um, uh, uh, distributors, whatever. Uh, my, my words are failing me. The same kind of movie will come out from yeah. different companies at the same time because mm-hmm. they all catch wind of what each other are doing. Yeah, so there's overlap I, in workers. And exactly. Stuff so like, yeah. I wonder if that could also be Not impossible. part of what's going on here or if it was just in the air. Yeah, either either one could totally be. Yeah. Um, so I would say this is like the only that I'm aware of big budget like tentpole monster movie that has a found footage angle yeah um the plot is that there is a humongous monster that descends on new york city and the plot device of why they're recording is that the friends who who we are following were using a handheld camera to record a going away party and they end up just keeping on recording and basically recording their doom yeah um it had a semi-similar ad campaign to blair witch and that there was a lot of secrecy i remember this this was like exciting and very cool 
because also at this time, like J.J. Abrams was still very hot from Lost. I mean, he's still like a hot director, but like Lost was still on at this point, and everybody yeah. was like very into this guy. And so you knew there was a new project from J.J. Abrams. He hadn't done many, if any, movies at that point, at least that were like a, that I remember. I remember being like, "Oh, he's making a movie. That's cool." And the teaser trailers for it at first didn't even have the name of the movie on it. It was just like weird footage, and I think said something about J.J. Abrams, and you're like. What is this going to be? Now, what's he doing this time? This doesn't look like an island to me. JJ, what are you up to? to? Um, I remember people talking about how, like, nauseating the trailers were and stuff and how this movie's going to be, like, very barfy. And I was like, I'm listening because everybody (laughs) said the same thing about Blair Witch. And I was, like, all over it. And then they eventually put out a teaser trailer with the name, um, but they like really built the anticipation for it in a way that I thought was very, very cool. Um, Cloverfield has two sequels. I've only seen 10 Cloverfield Lane. I haven't seen, uh, what is it called? The Cloverfield Paradox. Yes, the Clo- Cloverfield Paradox. Neither have I. Yeah. I've only seen 10 Cloverfield Lane and Cloverfield. Mm-hmm. Um, 10 Cloverfield Lane doesn't have a found footage vibe. It's just a straight up movie. Um, but yeah, do you like Cloverfields? You know, I remember Allie and I watched uh, the first two Cloverfield movies maybe a year or two ago. Mm-hmm. And I walked away being like, I really like those. I like them. Um, Cloverfield itself, it's funny. I feel like every time I see the movie, I like it. And then anytime it's been a while since I've seen it, I'm like, I don't even really remember what happens in that. I think I've only seen it the one time for both oh, really? of them. Um, and I liked them, but I just haven't rewatched. Um, the the primary um, uh, person who operates the camera in Cloverfield is named HUD, mm-hmm. which is a play on the term heads up display. Ah. A HUD, which you would usually see like maybe in a video game mm. where it shows you how many lives you have left, your score. That's called a HUD. Mm. It reminds me in the um, original found footage movie i talked about the connection how the camera operator who was charged with editing it was named jj burden right which i feel is a play on it is a burden for yeah. him it's the sh- this is on his shoulders mm-hmm. to put this together here in cloverfield 2008 hud yeah, yeah now how does this link to chud <laughs> well Kristen, if, if hud were a cannibal chud that's true yeah perfect cannibal holocaust cannibal Hol- oh my god so um I also want to mention some. Fa- so these are like those are like the big, big ones. I feel like that came out and created a little bit of a boom after Blair Witch Project. And then there have been some here and there since. Yeah. Not always following exactly the as you laid it out. I was thinking about the same exact thing, like the real found footage right. model. True, pure. Yeah. People disappeared. Here's what they shot. Exactly. Pure. Um, I wanted to shout out some found footage or found footage kind of-esque movies that have come out since then that aren't as big, but I feel like they have a lot of love from viewers and critics and people are very into them. From viewers like you. From viewers like you. Okay. The movies Creep and Creep 2, Hmm. which were released on Netflix. Um, The first one came out in 2015. They were written by and starring Mark Duplass, who some of you guys might know. He's a pretty famous actor. They're basically about a creepy guy, the first one at least, who gets a videographer to come out to his house to record footage of himself just having a normal day because he wants it available for his unborn child to see when he's a little bit older. And lots of creepiness ensues. Um, Hence the title. Hence the title. Uh, It's very good. I also really like Creep 2. And there are plans for a third movie. Oh, what do you think it'll be called? I don't know. We'll have to see. (laughs) I can't wait. <laughs> uh, there's also Hell House, Hell House, Hell House LLC. The first one came out in 2015, and there are two sequels. This is a mockumentary style found footage thing about a haunted attraction called Hell House that sets up in different locations. And one night, when they have set up in a hotel, 15 tour goers and staff members all die after a series of malfunctions at the hotel. Hmm. So what happened is the question that the movie asks. Hey, what happened? Hey, what happened? Um, I also want to talk about some techno found footage movies, which I feel like are almost a genre in themselves. I'm basically going to shout them out. Sure. The movie Unfriended, which we talked about in the show. I think we had an episode like 10 or so episodes ago, I think called Techno Ghosts. I think so. Something like that. Um, 
there's a movie called Followed, which is kind of like Facebook followed, unfollowed sort of thing. Okay. That I think is like a unfriended sort of spinoff. This isn't a horror movie, but I wanted to mention because I know you and I both love this movie, Searching. Searching. Yeah. So I should explain, but beyond the just being techno found footage, these are movies where you are looking at the computer screen of somebody who's involved in the movie. You're watching all the main characters on a computer screen as though you're doing like a chat or Skype or just playing around with different kinds of communications on a desktop. I mean, particularly in 2020, I think we're all familiar with the concept of a Zoom meeting Mm -hmm. where you are all just faces in rectangles on a computer screen. Right. Unfollowed is a Skype call among or uh, unfriended. Yep. Is a Skype call that you're watching among friends Mm -hmm. um, searching it takes place on all manner of electronics. Sometimes yeah. it will be a security camera up in the corner, mm-hmm. uh, paranormal activity style. Yep. Sometimes you're just seeing what the 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 main performer, John Cho. John Cho. Mm-hmm. I love John Cho. Me too. Uh, what he's looking at on his phone. Um, that movie I think is like almost like a neo found footage or mm-hmm. screen life. Yeah. Uh, where it's just capturing what's on his laptop, capturing what's on his phone. It doesn't matter how we're seeing it. Right. This is the means of conveyance for information. Just take it for granted yeah. and run with it. And I love it. Yeah. I loved searching so much. Me too. It's awesome. Um, so that it's not like a horror movie. It's probably more of like a thriller crime movie, but it's so good. Wonderful. I loved it. And then a movie that really lit a lot of people on fire this year, including myself, host mm-hmm. on shutter so this is a really hot recent found footage movie the same kind of screen share thing and the premise is that it's a bunch of friends doing a zoom call and um, along with a medium who's conducting a seance for them and supernatural things start happening and they're kind of getting picked off one by one yeah and it's really really good it's wonderful we actually it's reviewed it 56 minutes it really is mm-hmm. we actually reviewed host over on patreon.com slash gttu pod yes we did yeah i i think that found footage has legs mm-hmm. legs a mundo i do too i think that um there are still further classifications where it is fictional broadcast mm-hmm. you know there is a, a wonderful movie that is actually made by uh, uh my boss her husband is the director yeah. of a movie called the wnuf halloween special it is fantastic that's on shutter too that's on Shutter. Yeah, I think so. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Isn't mm-hmm. that like it was like newly added or something yeah. like that? I got an email about it. Absolutely, check out the WNUF Halloween special. Mm-hmm. You may or may not hear my voice and something connected to it in the future. Oh. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But um, it is like a, a news broadcast on Halloween where a team goes to investigate a haunted house. But it, it's you know purported to be really happening. Yeah. Because it's a fictional broadcast, but we know that it's fiction. So it puts it sort of into the found footage mode. Yeah. But does that make it found footage? I think really what found, I think primarily what people call found footage is fictional stories yeah. that are presented yes. through traditionally nonfiction means of production. Totally. News broadcasts, documentaries, what have you. Um, I think that uh, uh, if you really consider what found footage means at its core it is usually a plot element Mm -hmm. somebody found the footage of cannibal holocaust um uh somebody is creating a wealth of footage in paranormal activity that presumably somebody has put together for us to see right but the only real actually is a title card at the beginning of that by the way is there really yes i I left it alone just for the yes the sake of it there Mm -hmm. oh so they do say like yes a family in this home blah 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 okay Mm -hmm. great wonderful i love a little context yep um i think that blair witch project is to me the undisputed champion Oh, of yeah. found footage. I mean, who would dispute? I don't know. I don't, I don't know. Good. I'm not here to dispute. I may or may not be biased. Who knows? Yeah. I've, we've been talking about Blair Witch. I've been writing about Blair Witch since years before I was writing for mm-hmm. it. Um, so I think that my my love of it is is well documented. Samesies. So feel free to call me biased or whatever. But Blair Witch Project crushes. Yeah. Crushes the game Hell of yeah, found it does. footage. Absolutely. But there you go. Thank you for taking this journey through found footage with us. I hope you guys enjoyed it. I hope you check out some of these movies. Yeah. I love doing these like genre mm-hmm. episodes. This is so sort too. of like unusual yeah. to piece together what is a mode of horror 
storytelling. Yeah. Not just like the stories themselves, but how are they assembled and put before you? Mm-hmm. I really enjoy. I, I think that it's part of the process that I am in, hopefully increasingly engaging in in my career. Yeah. But it's also just a fascination of like, I love to see the the ingenuity mm-hmm. that goes into storytelling. And also found footage, one other thing to call out, found footage is largely a sort of um, filmmaking that is achievable by anyone. Yes, it's very accessible. It's insanely accessible because at its core, what you need is a camera mm-hmm. and a microphone. And then you can make your own thing. Yeah. And found footage is incredibly forgiving of not having a budget, of mm-hmm. not having um, you know, a broadcast or a lot of locations. It takes a lot of imagination. Yeah. That's what Blair Witch Project had um, in abundance. That is what Paranormal Activity obviously did to garner its many sequels. Mm-hmm. Um, I love it. There's a way yeah. to do found footage wrong, but we've just talked about the ways that many people have done it right or kicked it off to begin with. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So thank you all so much for hanging out with us. Yeah, thank you, thank you, thank you. So check out those movies. Also check out the Illustrated Native American Cookbook. If you put that into Etsy, you'll find it. Thank you so much to Rachel for doing this. That's such an awesome charitable thing to do. And it's really, really cool. A million percent. Thank yeah. you so much, Rachel. Uh, let's make the world increasingly better. Yeah, please. Only better things, please. Only better things. And you know what, guys? Let me let you in on a little something for listening to this live. 34 years ago today, the world got a little better and a little stinkier. It's Little Willie Rogers' birthday on Friday, November 6th. So give him a little shout out online. What a great present to him would be would be to check out his work. So maybe oh. go check out the Blair Witch book from Hunt to Killer. Go to hunttokiller.com and get the Blair Witch game. Yeah. Uh, it's a six episode series. Uh, I think the cat's out of the bag that there's going to be another six episode yep. season uh, on its heels. Yeah, it's doing uh, well. People like it. Yeah, but I'm one of the team that is behind the writing of them, and I've been doing all the sound design for season one, and I've put a lot of like love of the franchise into this, and it's been this sort of culmination of a very odd journey. I literally have, and I found them the other day, articles that I wrote where I was theorizing what is the Blair Witch. Mm-hmm. And now I write stories in this world. Yeah. And um, I'm, I've like interviewed Eduardo Sanchez to come out soon. Spoiler mm-hmm. alert. Uh, it's just, a, it's, it's really wild. So on this, my 34th birthday, I hope you all um, maybe enjoy this Blair Witch uh, story here. Huntakiller.com slash Blair Witch. Yeah. Um, also make sure that you hit up huntakiller.com slash blog to get Kristen's writing about the Blair Witch. Mm-hmm. I really do love, it's it's very poetic and interesting to me yeah. that you and I both love the Blair Witch. Yeah. And now we are writing. I know. In that world. It's very cool. Kristen, the truth, me some lies. But it's it's wonderful. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, stories are not real. No, no, I... <laughs> I heard. Although there is plenty of truth in these stories. I heard. Kristen, the truth, me some lies. Like, me some something. Oh, someone named me some? Kristen, the truth, and then we all know me some, that liar. (laughs) I was like, what? Damn it, me some? That's like a Star Trek kind of name. Who's me some? Me some? Who the hell is me some? But no. And why is he lying to us? We're each writing Blair Witch stuff. It's I awesome. Know. Yeah. I know. It's really, really cool. So, so that's huntakiller.com slash blog and huntakiller.com slash Blair Witch. That's right. And um, also, of course, like we said in the, in the middle, go to gttupod.com to find all the stuff we do here on God's the Unknown, including our Patreon, which we're active on. And also the community who's there is very active as well. So it's a really fun thing. Yeah, it's super fun. Maybe yeah. also check out Blackwood. Yeah. That was oh, the, I love Blackwood. That was the, the first audio drama that I worked on for Hunt to Killer. I'm the writer of it. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was there for all the recording and through the editing. And I learned a lot about like sound design yeah. and working with performers and scripting. And it, it was uh, wonderful. Yeah. And honestly, uh, Blackwood was also intended to be a love letter to Blair Witch. The original name of Blackwood was the Blackwood Podcast until somebody said, why would you call your podcast the Bubba Bub Podcast? Everyone knows it's a po-. And I was like, no, no, no. People do it, though, by the way. They do. Oh, yeah. for sure. Yeah. But it's because the Blackwood Podcast, the Blair no. Witch Project, it was it was the right pacing. It was the right. Anyway. Yeah. Blackwood is found footage. Yeah. 
It is about three kids that go to a fictional town, Blackwood, Connecticut, to investigate a local urban legend. Uh, And it goes off the rails from there. Um, But also, oddly, I wanted to do a sort of meta found footage vibe. Mm -hmm. My feeling was that uh, audio dramas and podcasting are still sort of young. I I still think that they're sort of young now. Yeah, they are. But um, I don't like constantly having to justify why we're hearing this. Right. In films, you don't start every movie by going, and there's Dale, the cameraman. Mm -hmm. You don't need to give that context always. You can if it's the vibe. Yeah. But in Blackwood, I wanted uh, the the character of Molly Weaver um, to go, okay, we're officially recording. Mm -hmm. And then introduce everybody with her audio device. And then I wanted her to go, okay, and we'll edit this later and turn it off. And then go, what do you want to do next? Mm -hmm. I wanted to deliberately break having to explain the microphone. Yeah. Have her turn it off, and then we just follow them on the adventure. It works perfectly. And they're making a show, so the show is part of it, and we can sometimes hear it from that perspective. But I wanted to have that variance of, you know, quote-unquote camera angles yeah. within Blackwood. Yeah. Um, uh, obviously, that I is not what we... you achieved it. Well, it's not quite the vibe that we did. Like, we exclusively you only hear what happens when their recorder is running, mm-hmm. which is, the the to me, the essence of found footage and why Cannibal Holocaust breaks that rule. Don't you hear her say, like, okay, cut, blah, blah, blah. You hear them. You hear the rawness. Yeah. I think that that's important to me about found footage mm-hmm. as well, is that you it's, it's not only about showing what these characters are up to, but seeing parts of their lives that are not intended mm-hmm. for public consumption. Yeah. Yes, I think that that's, that's a big part of it. incredibly important yeah. for Heather Donahue and the Blair Witch Project to have her moments where she's being broadly theatrical. The, the history is all around us, etched in stone. Mm-hmm. And then for her to be peeing in a bush. Yeah. I think it's very important to see that dichotomy in people. And I definitely wanted that to exist in Blackwood. Mm-hmm. Molly Weaver will be like, I'm standing outside of, uh, of this building and here's what it's like. All right, Nathan, what are you doing? Like, yeah. I wanted her voice to sound different in yeah. those moments, but I, I had wanted it to, to go even further mm-hmm. and to have her turn the recorder off. Yeah. But we can still hear her. Yeah. Um, but yeah, check it out. That's yeah, Blackwood. It's great. Um, yeah. Love found footage. Really hope that you all enjoyed this episode. Follow at GTTU pod on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram to keep up to date with what we're doing. All of the links to everything that we've discussed, sources, and things to check out are in the show notes. Um, and we will all see you next week yeah. for uh, another uh, spooky discussion spooky and dissection of horror. Time. Spooky old dookie time. Yeah. But you know what? Until that time comes, we must travel. Back to the netherworld, go we. La, 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 la. Going down Spooky the roadie. Time. Yeah. Going down the roadie? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, what's your Twitter handle? At Chill and Kristen. I'm at the Myth Traveler. Mm-hmm. Now Boom. you know.